Deuteronomy 16. It says, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month of Abib, uh, I don't know why I'm talking about Sheila and going forward, but they need to. For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. You shall therefore sacrifice by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd and the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread. Therefore, with even the bread of affliction, for you camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste. Therefore, uh, that you may remember the day when you came forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And then we go down here. We go down here to verse. Uh, let's go down here to verse 10. And it says, And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according as the Lord thy God has blessed you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter and your manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God has chosen to place his name there. And you shall remember that you were a bondman in Egypt and that you shall observe to do these statutes. And then it says here in verse 13, thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days after that uh, you have gathered in your corn and your wine, and you shall rejoice in thy feast, you and your son and your daughter and your manservant, everybody in your family, your neighbors and everything like that, the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow that is within thy gates. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord your God shall bless you in all the increase and in all the works of your hands. Therefore you shall rejoice, shall surely rejoice. So, you know, it's been on my heart this year. Like, you know, how normally we do Passover, uh, but making sure that we keep the Feast of Weeks, make sure that we keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And then next year, you know, I was sitting there and, you know, ever since I was going and, and to church, we always brought in the new year together. So, you know, here we are, you know, we got this little building and things like that. And nobody, I don't know if anybody is having service on New Year's Eve, bringing in New Year's together. I don't know if that's happening still anymore. But I said, you know, man, that's going to change. And I, and I don't give two cents what everybody else is doing. But just right here, he talks to us. Remember, he, he never, ever changes. Now, today, you know, Sister Sheila was bringing that, driving that thing home about how we live in this land. You know, we live uh, here in America. And America has its own holidays. But since he has brought you and I out of sin. He brought us out and brought us to himself. And when we read his word, it says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to God's word. Now, I know we got a lot of pressure out here from the world and they got Christmas and Thanksgiving and all some wonderful holidays. Don't get me wrong. As we were kids growing up, I mean, Christmas was number one on our list. Okay, Halloween, you know, we used to go out there and get candy. I'm just let well be honest, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, we had Thanksgiving was a good time with family, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Day is this this Monday. You know, we used to man, we would thank the Lord for these different days, but we were never taught about the most high God in his days 
And when we look at the Passover, it is so powerful. Every time I, I keep, every time you and I grow in the Lord and we keep reading his word, I know you're, it doesn't seem like you're getting anything. But the more you read it, like he told Joshua, this book of the law, and people call it the law, but this book of teaching and instruction that the Apostle Paul calls it, he says, should never depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in there day and night, and then you'll make your way prosperous and have great success. And as we look at these feasts, you should see some things prospering in your life. You should see some things changing. And I've just been thinking about that. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Mark, man, you need to get back to the basics. Get back to what we're doing because we know we had a good time last year mm -hmm. at Passover. That was, you know, it's coming up again, ain't it? Mm -hmm. You know, Matt Andrews here, Ruth was here. Yeah. We couldn't even fit people yeah. <laughs> in the little hotel we were at over there because yeah. there was so many people. And uh, so this year I'm like, Lord, we need to try to pack this place out and we need to start in advance because these men and women right here are starting in advance. That the month of Abib is going to be, what is, I think it's this year, April uh, 5th through the 13th. And April 5th comes, man, I don't know, what, what Sunday is that? Somebody needs to look up what Sunday that is between this April and whatever the 5th is going to be. And we need to make sure that we are planning, all right? But anyway, let me get back to what we're doing. But we need to plan for that while it's on my heart. And we need to start planning now. Israel started planning right now to observe what our Heavenly Father told us to observe. And of course, we know that Jesus, of course, died on Passover. We know that when he sent his son, nobody really understood that Passover. You know, John was like, hey, behold the lamb. And they all knew what the lamb was, but they didn't know that the man that they were looking at, Jesus, was going to be the one that died for everybody's sin, past, present, and future. And when you look at the reason why he starts to talk to you and I about our own Egypt, and I love Yvonne's testimonies lately have been off the chain. I know y'all aren't on a prayer line, but you need to be on a prayer line because Vaughn don't never say nothing. And I don't know what has happened to her in the past couple of months. She's been on. How long have you been on the prayer line, Vaughn? That'd be last year sometime. Yeah. So she's going to be going on a year soon. She don't never say nothing. You know, I'll text her sometimes like, are you even on this prayer line? <laughs> But she'll come on and pray. But something has happened. And I mean to tell you that it just shut the prayer line down. Because when you start talking about, I don't mind waiting on you, Lord. I know that um, he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And it's something when we begin to observe the things that he asks us to observe. Because the world teaches us to observe it. And we're waiting like, like we're at the casino. You know, we're playing that. We're rolling them dice. We're grabbing that arm. We're waiting for some success. But the father is always sitting back and he's always looking at our hearts. He's looking at us. You know, he takes you into the wilderness and he begins to teach you over and over again his word. Now, Israel didn't have a choice, but you and I have a choice whether or not we want to receive this word or not. Yes, you do. You have a choice. He said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Now, listen, we know what it's like to serve. And Sharisha was talking about that when her friends would say, come back and serve this God with us. And he's like, I ain't with that God no more. I'm with my God who brought me up out of the club, brought me up out of sin, brought me up like Yvonne said. We all were drinking. We all were smoking. We were doing things we had no business doing, sexual immorality. And our Heavenly Father's like, come out from among them. I didn't create you for that. That's not what you were created for. So the first Passover is so powerful. Let's go to 1 John, I believe it's chapter 4. 
but he wants us to remember this Passover. He's like, remember, remember these three things that has happened in your life. First John, not the gospel of John, but it's going to be first John. It's right after first Peter and second Peter and all that. If I can find it. But if you've got your phone or your tablet, you can cheat because you can just go right there. First, I'm sorry, chapter three. You know, I need prayer. But if we look at first John, just chapter three and what John writes about here. Just and I I believe John being a Hebrew. You know, we're going to look at at the gospel of John, chapter four, too. I believe that him growing up as a Hebrew, he's telling us from a Moses point of view. And it says here in John chapter three, and I just want to read a little bit of this up. We're just talking about the Passover. He says, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. He starts to talk about the behold, what manner of love that the father brought you and I up out of the lifestyle that we're living. And I know sometimes that lifestyle may seem like it's still alive in our life. I know Sister Sheila was talking about some things and I'm, I'm not, I know that the Lord is going to bring us up out of everything. Amen. Verse two says, beloved, now are we the sons and daughters of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man or every woman that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. It starts to talk about you and I, when you go back to the Passover, it starts talking about we're going to observe the Passover, but also too for seven days, we eat unleavened bread. And you remember the gospel when... Jesus said, my father didn't give you the real bread. He said, I am the bread from heaven. And you and I, during this year, when we we observe Passover, usually we do it together on a Sunday. But it starts on uh, April 5th and ends on the 13th. And we need to challenge ourselves individually. Are we going to shut the television off, you know, and just eat? This unleavened bread, it has no sin in it. This book of the law, this book of teaching and instruction has no sin in it. And I find that the more I study it, even if I have to push play on it, it's constantly playing in my ears and something's happening on the inside that I can't explain. But since I've been praying, the Lord has been pulling me more and more towards this book. Revealing to me the things he's talked to Joshua about. Revealing to me the things that he talks to David about. And today I'm telling you that this, it, sh- it should never depart out of our mouth. We should eat this as much as we can. Because like he tells us all the time that man doesn't live by what? Bread alone. Earthly bread. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Yahweh or we call God. By every, every Genesis to Deuteronomy is what he is talking about. They believe that the father used Moses to pen out what he wanted uh, each and every one of us to hear. Because he told Abraham, you're going to have more. He said, count the stars. If you can count the stars, you'll count how many sons and daughters that you are going to have. People that are going to come through you by your faith. And that's you and I. 
Okay, so beloved, um, now are we the sons of God and it doesn't get appear, but we're going to be like him. And every man that has this hope, every man that observes this Passover, everyone that eats this unleavened bread, everyone that commits themselves to this, uh, uh, purifies himself even as he is pure. Because we know that our high priest, the Lamb of God, we know that he comes into our life and he constantly cleans us. We know the high priest's job was to go into the temple and make sure he sprinkles his blood around and keeps us clean. And you know, verse 5 says, and you know that he was manifested, listen to this, he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. There is no sin in him. There's no sin in these scriptures at all. This is true unleavened bread. And it says here in verse 6, like we talk about, it's a narrow way. The life that we are going to live is a narrow way. It's not a broad way. I don't care what they're doing out there. What is he telling us to do? And we need to observe to do the things that he is asking us to do because he's taken us somewhere. If he took the children of Israel somewhere, he is taking us somewhere too. He never changes. The promises that he made to them are the same promises that he's making to you and I. No, he ain't taking us on a plane over to Israel so we can just, you know what I'm saying? But where he has planted us right here, when you begin, I was reading Deuteronomy, when I was listening to it, because sometimes, you know, you come home and you're very tired, you're exhausted. I've been exhausted, but I, I, I click it on. I don't turn the television. Matter of fact, sometimes I'll turn the television on, I want to catch up on the playoffs and what's happening, and I just can't get into it, and I shut it off. And I just put on the book of Moses again. And I was listening. I was listening to Deuteronomy. And, you know, like when you're listening to something, your mind is kind of skipping through things. But then it locked on to the fact that our Heavenly Father started talking to the children of Israel and said, I gave this land to so-and-so. I gave this land to so-and-so over here. He says, I know I've created you to be an army, but... I gave that land to John. Mark, you can't have that land. I don't care how beautiful it looks. I gave the other land over there to Sheila. Sharisha, I don't care how nice her land looks. I'm not, that's her land. I gave it to her. And he started to talk to the children of Israel. He says, but I got a land for you. And I'm taking you to that land. So when we get saved and we accept the Passover lamb, like John says, behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world and breaks. Remember, he broke Pharaoh's back or he broke Satan's back. And when we look here, it says here, that he was manifested to take our sins away, to be that lamb. Verse six says, whosoever abides in him. That's what they told Joshua, to keep eating this unleavened bread. And whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him, but you and I have seen him. The reason why I believe we're here this morning, the reason why I believe that we faithfully come is because each and every one of us has had some type of meeting with him, our own Damascus road. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of being in Egypt, here comes the Lamb of God. And, and we saw something in him, and now we continue to follow him. And he's challenging us, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil. That was powerful to me reading that this morning. And when you and I begin to study this word, and he starts to talk about each and every one of us in this room individually, we don't talk about our private sins. We may, you know, we definitely, we ain't going out here because we're smart enough not to have public sins, but we got private sins. 
And when you read this word and it says he that commits sin is of the devil. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. He just talked to you and I about being sons and daughters of the most high God because of the position that we took. Because of the, listen, with the heart man believes in the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made under salvation. And if you remember the children of Israel, when he brought them out of Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea and baptized them into Moses, they never saw Pharaoh's face again. And that's what he wants for you and I, never to have the devil operating in our life again. But it wasn't that long later when Moses went up to the top and he came down and realized that the children of Israel were playing again. Aaron had made a golden calf. And sometimes, like Sheila was talking about, it happens in our life. We were on that maze and instead of following the Holy Spirit, we kind of make our own turn. But the Lord teaches us to wait on him and stop making those impulsive decisions. It said, but listen to this. He that commits sin is of the devil for the devil sinned from the beginning, from the beginning. When he created man, he desired to take our place because God has something for you and I and he can't get it. Sometimes people around you will covet the things that you have been given. But they can't have it because it belongs to you. They may try to steal it. Some people have killed people. Some people have destroyed things in order to get it. But our Heavenly Father is the one that takes this land on planet Earth. And I don't care what the price of land is and whatever they're doing with land. He distributes it to whom he will. And remember that. And then this next verse says here, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. I don't know if you, you listen to that little parable. I was preaching that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is talking to his Hebrew brothers and sisters, some Pharisees, some Sadducees, some his disciples. And he talks to them about this parable because they can't hear him if he came out and said it. But he says, hey, man, there was this dude that bought this field and he created a vineyard and he lent it out to some people. And they're listening to him. Now, you and I, we think it's some great parable and all that. But imagine being in the room and I'm using a parable but I'm talking about you and you know, I'm talking to you. everybody else don't know I'm talking about you, but I'm, I'm using this sitcom or I'm using something else, but I'm talking about you and you're sitting in the back and you are steaming because you know, I'm talking about you. Nobody else knows. it. They don't know. I know you, but you know, you're looking at me like, you know what? When you get done preaching <laughs> and listen, Jesus started to tell them that say, Hey man, he lent it out to these guys, and every now and then he would send a servant to check on how they were doing. He's talking about this world that he made. He made, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Matter of fact, he made a garden and placed man in it. They know the story because they read Moses all the time, and they think that they're righteous because they know the book of Nope Moses. But he said, it's all about me. So he talks to them about how. The father lent it out. But every time he sent somebody to check on them, they would kill him. So you know what Yeshua says is, you know what he did? He said, I'm going to send my son. And this got them boiling even hotter. He says, so I'm going to send my son. So he sends the son. And when they see the son coming, he says, the men said, that's the heir right there. That's that's. See, people look at Jesus and they say he's just a man. But they said that he is the heir. Of his father. And they killed him too. It made everybody in the room. That wasn't down with Jesus hot. Because 
He was describing to them what is going on in their heart. He's the son of God. It says here, um, for this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That is so powerful because how could them killing his only begotten son destroy the works of the enemy? Passover is so powerful. It's not taught. Many of us have never been to a Passover Seder or anything. We know nothing. We've been to Christmas. We know how Christmas works. I stopped past my daughter's house and then I got socks. You know how that is, right? As parents, y'all don't understand what that means. Because you, know you, you know how much money you put out all year long? You figure you at least get a good gift. You know, you stop by. I don't celebrate it, but I figure if I go by, because, you know, the kids, I got to get the grandkids. Then my daughter's like, you need to cough up some money. And I'm like, I don't serve that guy. She's like, whatever, daddy. I need some money to get these kids some stuff. When I go over there, you know, they have some little gift for me. But it's socks. It's really not socks. It's sock. (laughs) Because it's just one. It's just a pair of socks. It's not the six pack from Walmart. It's not the 12 pack. Just a pair. Oh, dad, thanks. We love you. And I'm looking at them like there's a difference between me and them because they're in the world and I'm not. I understand everything that my heavenly father did to break the shackles off my feet. Do you hear me? I understand what it took for him. They don't understand what it takes for you to work hard like you do. They don't have no understanding. that They love you as much as they can. And that's the reason why he wants us to observe everything that he says. I want you to never forget that I broke the shackles off your feet so you can dance. He's like, I'm the one that did that. Not the IRS. You know, we waiting for the IRS money to come around. I'm about to be liberated. <laughs> Pay all my bills off. And then next September, we back in debt again. It's not what he wants. He's like, I'm the one that I, he said he was manifested. When you look at what is going on in our lives today privately, he talks about private prayer. He says, do it privately so that, you know, because a lot of us really don't want to pray in public. But he said, privately do your prayers. We come together corporately as a group because there's another part where Paul says that if we confess issues that are going on in our life to one another and pray for one another, our father would hear and heal us. We saw where Peter was locked up. So the church was praying without ceasing and the Lord brought him out by an angel. But we have to understand everything that it took and what Jesus did to bring you and I out of the club, out of those relationships, off those drugs, the way of thinking, the way we live, our lifestyle. And some of us are living beneath our privileges. The children of Israel, when they came out, they only had one pair of shoes. I was watching the, the history thing when, the, when some slaves died, they made shoes for the slaves out of the skin of somebody that died. Mm-hmm. You talk about being, not having no wealth. You, I mean, sometimes you just got to watch some history. When you stop, when you get off the television at dope and you begin to take yourself to the word and the Holy Spirit begins to want to, he challenges us to grow in our knowledge. Because remember, they created schools to indoctrinate us into what they want us to believe. 
but not what Yah wants us to believe. Yah gave us this book because it's from his point of view. And when the children of Israel, just like you and I, we come out of being in bondage, we have no money, we have no cars, no driver's license, we have no insurance, we have nothing. And we come up out of these things right here and he says, hey, I am your God that broke the shackles off of your life. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. One of the things that he did was, is if you and I begin to embrace him, they bankrupt Egypt because he put it upon Egypt's heart to start. People started giving them money. I know it doesn't. I know you're like, what are you talking about? People started giving them things. Because of the power of God operating in their life. And if the power of God is not operating in our life, then is he our God? Or like it says, it goes back over. He that commits sin is of who? The devil. So if we're still living in sin, then we're denying who we are as sons and daughters. Do you hear me? It says here in verse 9, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remains in that same seed that was back there with Adam and Eve. Remember, he said, your seed, the seed, the son of God is still in him. He cannot sin because he was born of God. And this children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Because when you and I go to that mountain, which is the next feast, we'll talk about the feast of weeks. He brings us, listen, the children of Israel, when he brought them to the mountain, he wants to put his spirit in each and every one of us. All right, let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 16. All right. And verse 10 says in Deuteronomy 16, this is so important. These three feasts are so important to happen in our life. When Jesus died, he told the children of Israel, uh, his Hebrews, brothers and sisters, his disciples, he said, don't go nowhere. Stay here until you are endued with power from on high. So the Feast of Weeks or the Gentiles call it Pentecost says here in verse 10, and thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a free will offering of thine hand. All of us in this room. He starts to tell us, he said, what's in your hand? What do you got? What's so precious to you? I brought you out. I am your God. It's hard for somebody if he's not their God. It's hard because the money becomes your God. But when you are free, if you can get the Passover and realize who he is and what he is and forever will be, that it's in him that you live and move and have your being. He broke the shackles. You're no, more, you're no longer a slave. You're an heir and a joint heir with Christ. It's the, he has to change our mind because when you look for the devil, he's no longer. He didn't make it through the Red Sea. He didn't get baptized with you. He's not at this mountain. It's you and Jehovah at this mountain. And he desires to place his spirit in you to write his words upon your heart and upon your mind and be to you a God and you be to him sons and daughters. So when he puts up, when he start, I'm telling you all, when he starts to talk about, I'll give seed to the sower, that means that the sower didn't have no seed, that you didn't have nothing to give. But the Lord puts something in your hand to give. And now that you come to this mountain and he gives you his spirit and you can fully understand this. He says, what's in your hand? What you holding on to? The woman gave two pence. She didn't hold on to it. The others were given out of their substance. And it talks here. It says, um, according as the Lord thy God has blessed thee. How has he blessed you? 
The woman didn't have a whole bunch of money Jesus talks about. She had two pence. He said she gave more than everybody else. So when you and I come to this Feast of Weeks, we don't come empty-handed. We come and say, you know what, Lord? You have blessed me. Now, some, everybody doesn't work at the same job. And all of us receive our money at different times. But what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, give. That's a hard thing for people. You have to first get through step number one, Passover number one. And that he has become your God. Because when you get to step number two, he's telling us to come with something in our hand. Each and every one of us have been blessed with something. And verse 12 says here, and we shall remember that we were bondmen or bondwomen in Egypt. And we shall observe to do these statutes. We got to remember who we listen. When we were in the world and New Year's came around and Christmas came around, we would we would we would we would probably play a quarter of our electric bill. We would be at the club. Do you hear me? We'd have that smoke. We'd have that drink. Oh, yes, we did. I don't know anybody here that wasn't lit on New Year's. The older ones, the younger ones, y'all coming up. We were lit. The, the devil got his free will offering from us. But now that we've come to the mountain, we have nothing. Well, Lord, you know, the Lord is looking at us like that's when you were serving in Egypt. You gave the devil everything you got. But now that you serve in the Lord. Now you got lit. You pull out your pockets with a little, you know, that little string that's connected to the pocket. That's all I got, Lord. <laughs> so you mean to tell me the children of Israel had something in their hand when they came out. But you and I, we have nothing in our hand. We have nothing in our hand. Imagine coming to the most high God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the yoke of bondage and has blessed you. And you come to him and you're holding on to the two pence. Yep, these, these feasts are taking us somewhere. Let's go to John, the gospel of John chapter four. We're going back to this woman at the well. She's about to come out of Egypt. She about to come out of Egypt. We've been here before. I hope I'm right. You know, I just be making up stuff sometimes. I just, then I have to actually find out where I'm at. <laughs> Verse 21 of John chapter 4. I, I preached this probably like three or four times. But here we are at the mountain now. You and I have crossed through the Red Sea. We have made it to the mountain when Jehovah, remember he wrote it on tables of stone because Israel didn't want to receive it, but he's going to write it upon our hearts like Hebrews chapter eight says. He's going to write it upon our hearts and upon our minds. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. So 21 says, Jesus says to this woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. He's talking to all of us. So in just in case you ain't got a ticket to go to Israel, he says it ain't about that no more. You ain't got to go no place. You can stand right where you at. 
You worship, he's telling the woman, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Hebrews or the Jews. Salvation is of Moses and the prophets. Yes, it is. And the writings. So if you want to try to wiggle your way out of it in this new Gentile messianic movement they're doing, whatever they're doing, they got their own rules. They still got Christmas trees up and everything like that. If you want to still follow them, you can. But if you are, if you're reading this and you can understand this, he says, salvation is of the Hebrews. You better go back over here to Genesis to Malachi and check it out because he's the Lord our God. He changes not. But the hour comes now when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him. Worship is a lifestyle. Whoever commits sin is of the devil. So you and I got to stop. We got to we got to go to our God and say, I am still in Egypt. My thought process is Egyptian. I need a Hebrews chapter. I need you to write your laws upon my heart and upon my mind. I'm coming out. My friends may not like it. I'm going to lose some friends. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. But God. 24 says God is a spirit. Sees everything. God is a spirit. It's in him that I live and move and have my being. That's a beautiful saying. But when you go back and study the Feast of Weeks, do you hear me? He wrote it on 10. He wrote 10 on 2. 10 and 2. He wrote it on tables of stone. He wrote the Ten Commandments. And then in Exodus chapter 21, Moses began to write. And we got about 615 mitzvahs or commandments. And he starts to talk to us about how we eat, how we dress, what we look at sexual uh, immorality, all these different things, what he expects from us. He lays it out. And when Jesus tells them, he says, go to the book of Moses and find some sin in me. But they couldn't find it. You know, they said, no, you just blaspheme because you make yourself equal with God, which is written in John chapter five. You claim to be his son. And that is that is a lie. And he says, if I'm not his son and you don't believe that, he said, that's cool. But what if I raise somebody from the dead? What if I walk on water? What if I command the wind and the waves to shut it down? What if I just do things that you've never seen before? Because John writes, he did so many miracles that the books at that time couldn't contain everything they saw with their own eyes. He said, you don't have to believe what I'm saying out of my mouth. But this man was born blind, means he had no eyes. I spat in the ground. I made some clay like I did back in the day when it says, let us make, let us I did the us thing. You don't believe that I'm his son, but I just did the us thing because I made some more clay and put it upon his eyes and I go wash. And he came back seeing. So who do you say that I am? Peter said, man, I'm telling you right now, everything I see, I have to confess that you are his son. But the other said, just like the parable said, we're going to kill this dude. So when he says here that verse 24, God is a spirit, the feast of weeks is when Yah gives us his spirit uh, that we worship him. Those that worship him must worship in spirit. That means we receive his spirit and the spirit of God writes his words upon our heart. So if we're still cussing, still sex outside of marriage, men laying with men, women laying with women, bestiality, 
sleeping with in-laws. If all this stuff is going on, if we still covet our neighbor's stuff, fighting, all the, all the sins that are lifted. When you go in that and read the book of Moses, if we are being convicted in our heart, man, we got, we got to get with him privately. Go into your prayer closet in private and pray. And he says, what you do in private, I will manifest it publicly. You hear me? I know. I know you don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. But the truth ain't always pretty. But if you have his spirit living in you, it's the Holy Spirit's job to lead you and to guide you, to lead me into all truth. And once we know the truth, the truth sets us free. Then we start to see Jehovah begin to move in our family and our neighbors and on the job powerfully because the spirit of God is like he just he wants to move but there's issues and problems within us. All right? He answers some prayers but he wants to do some things like Peter when his very shadow Peter changed from that day when he was cussing by the fire. He had an anger problem sister Sheila. And he would prove it by his words. He would let them words come out of his mouth. You say, surely he ain't following Jesus with a mouth like that. Mm. It's impossible. There has to be some type of change. That's why we see when the spirit, he says, you got to wait. Don't go nowhere. Until you are a dude with power from on high. You need power to be a witness for him. It's not something you could just, you could, we could talk it all day long, but privately, we're, we're not living it out. And he wants us to live it out. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 16. There's another feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. Israel sings that song, and your ladder will be greater. We got the former rain, and we got what? The latter rain. The latter rain, when it comes, there should be a difference in us. Because right now we're tabernacling. We're just passing through. He told his disciples, he said, I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So they didn't, get, they didn't get all hung up on this world. Yeah, he'll give us houses and land. But that ain't the houses and land that we want. He was talking about glory. He, listen, he told the children of Israel, I'm going to give you houses and land that you haven't built. I'm going to take care of you while you're here. But he's like, hey, you better keep your eyes set on the prize, though. We better keep our eyes set on where he is that we may be there what also. So don't get hung up on nothing down here. And surely if one of us moves on to be with the Lord, don't go diving on no class, uh, casket. Because we know that you don't understand scripture. Because each and every one of us are going to travel the same road. So we look at Deuteronomy um, 16 and 13. It says also we need to observe. It's telling you and I that we need to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. It says seven days. Some of us in here fast and some of us don't fast. You know, an easy fast to do is shut all the electronics off and just eat the unleavened bread, which is this book. I'm not even asking you to stop eating. But I believe that if you just shut it all off and for seven days you spend time in this book with him, eating him, eating his flesh and drinking his blood and having sweet communion with him, that something's not the communion the world has. Because we don't do communion. We do these feasts right here. And we just sit here and we just eat this book. I wish we could tear the pages off and just eat it. 
but we can't. We got to keep this book. They're expensive now. <laughs> they had $80, $90 for a good Bible. I'm not talking about the Gideon Bible you can get at the hotel. You know, when you creep at night, you go to the hotel to creep. And you take what, you know what I'm saying, Chris? Back in the day, we used to open the book, be, the Bible be in there. Y'all know what I'm saying. No, you're going to get a good Bible. You want to get something you really can, if you're planning on studying, if you're planning on writing the word of the Lord on your heart, get a good Bible. You are what you eat. You go over there, keep eating that McDonald's, and that stuff don't never digest. Eat the real food. <laughs> Let that stuff die just to come out. That burger still be in there four years later, inside your intestines somewhere, just rotten. All right? <laughs> you know it's real. The doctors already tell us. Thou should observe, verse 13, the Feast of Tabernacles seven days after you have gathered in your corn and your wine, after you have got the harvest. He's done something in your life. Now you got money in the bank, getting your hair done. Brothers got fat wallets. Our pockets stay fat, not flat. Rolling on dubs. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen. If you faint not. Because some of us still depend on the world. But when you truly let go and say, you know what, Father? He says, I'm going to, blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Psalms 1. Joshua. Then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have great success. That's all Jesus is talking about. And when you fully embrace him and begin to do what he is asking us to do, he can't help but he blessed Abraham in spite of Abraham. He blessed Jacob in spite of Jacob, changed his name. Abraham was not wanting for money. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Without this last feast, that's operating in our lives. The Feast of Tabernacles where you and I are not hung up on anything in this world. Yeah, we still buy cars. Yeah, we still got it. But we're not hung up on it. Our children will fight over that when we're dead. That's real. Let them fight over that. We ain't fighting over that. Families fight over what you got left. Like they like rats, you know, with a piece of bread. They fighting it. Trying to get that little bit of crumbs. You ain't fighting for nothing. Because we don't own it. Our Heavenly Father just let, he gave it to us just on our journey and we use what he gives us to be a blessing. Give and it shall be what? Given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. So as you, as you receive, you keep on giving out. Hey man, I'm just tabernacling. I'm not staying here. You can have that. And I'm telling you right now, when you begin to live that lifestyle, the enemy comes and he puts it in your mind to covet the things that he has, God has given. You got four refrigerators, give the three away. Mm. And when you go to do it, you're like, oh, I need to put it on marketplace. I need to sell it. When it was Ananias and his wife, you could have did whatever you wanted to do with it. But when the Holy Spirit started talking to you about giving things away, I know that the world teaches us to do garage sales and all that. Mm -hmm. But our Heavenly Father puts it in here to give. And it shall be given unto you. I know that, listen, we've come out of the world. And people walk up to you and say, man, you know, I'm trying to find me this and that. And we got two at the house. And you're sitting there like, oh, uh, well, go to Renner Center. I know uh, <laughs> Mark got three. <laughs> and we got it. And we, I'm telling you right now, the devil, if he can keep you and I from giving, that he'll keep us from being blessed. We're still a, have an Egypt mentality. 
because our Heavenly Father is the one that gives us everything, every single thing. But it says here, observe it. After that, you have gathered in your corn and your wine. You've got your income tax. You've got all these breaks. You've got extra stimulus money. People walking up. Your, your bank account got about 22000 in it. That's when the enemy comes, when you got 22000 in there. And now you got to give. See, when you had $100, you break off 10 real quick. When you had 20, you break off two real quick. But when your bank, listen, when he blesses you, then here comes the enemy. Man, that's... That's $5,000 you're trying to give Jesus right there. Yeah, it's awful lot. <laughs> That's how the conversation starts. That's the way it's written in the book. He came up to Eve and was like, you know, I don't really think he's going to get on you if you just maybe put 2500 in and then use the other 2500 to get some tires because, you know, you don't want to go around without no tires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> you got 22 the Lord gave it to you. You didn't even work hard for it. He just changed your lifestyle and he blessed you because you're his child. Abraham, people were given to Abraham. Here, Abraham, here's a thousand pieces of silver. He didn't work for it. It was his relationship with Jehovah that changed everything in his life. And it says here in verse 14, and thou shalt rejoice in thy feast. You and your son of the, to be, listen, freed up to dance like David danced. Freed up. This is a celebration where you and I have come up and we know that our heavenly father has, he's the one that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, out of the yoke of bondage. And we have a relationship with him and we begin to worship and praise him and thank him. And when the Holy Spirit says, Mark, drop the whole 22,000 on there. There's no hesitation. Listen, he will speak to you and I. And when we write that 22,000, the enemy will come and say, what are you doing? Because he had plans for that 22,000. But Jehovah has plans for the 22,000 because he wants to make your 22,000 go to 144,000. But he can't get us there if we're still looking back. And any man or woman looking back isn't fit for the kingdom of God. Each and every day we are challenged as sons and daughters. And I, I, I'm talking to you about some things when you get there. Remember, there was a cat preaching that to you. Because our greatest struggles is when we do get our own business. And our bank accounts triple and double and quadruple. Next thing you know, you got the land and everything. And you're sitting there looking half crazy in church because you're struggling to give now. When it wasn't nothing for you to give. You have $5, you give the whole five in there. And if you think he's not going to ask you to give to see what's in your heart, you think he's going to change? He ain't going to change. He's looking at your heart the whole time. And you're like, ugh. And he's like, ugh. Well, you stay there in the wilderness, son or daughter, until I write that on your heart. And it's not an ugh. Because we want to cross over Jordan. We'll never cross over Jordan if we can't give like the Father tells us to give. Verse 15 says, seven days thou shalt uh, keep a solemn feast better than Thanksgiving. It is seven days. And the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. You are, you're sitting there and tears are falling down your face. 
and your family is saying, why, why are you tearing up? He did things that I didn't think was going to happen. Messed up my credit. I was young and dumb. Went through everything like an idiot. But our ladder shall be greater because we are walking with him and we are talking with him and we are wor worship. It's not just you screaming, yeah, Jesus. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change. He take you in another direction. And he is the Lord our God. I love Paul when Paul says, I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And Paul, listen, man, he was hoping the churches would, would <laughs> supply his needs and they didn't. He had to go back to making tents again. He talks about starving some weeks where he didn't have nothing to eat. He didn't plan on fasting, but he just had to fast anyway because nobody was giving him nothing. All right? Yeah, the road ain't going to be easy. But when you got a made up mind to do what Jehovah is telling you to do, real change and it's not just for you he blessed the children of Israel so that they could bless the world he blesses you and I so that we can be a blessing to our little world we don't live in France we live right here and we can be a blessing right where we are bloom where you have been planted and don't do it to have a good name with the people out here in the world you do it so it comes up as a memorial to your God and when it came up as a memorial to God, Cornelius' whole family and friends were blessed. They received the same spirit that he received that only comes from a relationship with Jehovah, with our God. They had a Passover moment and then the spirit of God came into their life and it changes you forever. He'll, he's not like us. He's not going to take back his spirit. The spirit of God's job is to lead you and to guide you like he did the children of Israel as a, pill, a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. You don't have to look and say, which way do I need to go? His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen.